I'm happy I didn't find Bitcoin earlier because if I had found Bitcoin or Bitcoin found me in like 10 years, I definitely would have sold because it's not easy to hold Bitcoin. It's easy to hold because you don't have to do anything, but you have to have the mind to hold it, even if it doubles or triples or 10 doubles in worth, or yeah. you lose half your money and you yeah. think, oh no, I'm going to lose even more. Maybe I sell. Yeah. Uh, when you find out what Bitcoin really is, that is when, when, when this life starts. Hello and welcome to the Freedom Footprint Show. We are concerned about your freedom footprint and we want to help you spread as much freedom dioxide as possible. I'm your host, Luke the Sudofin, and I'm here as always with Knut Svagholm. Good evening, Knut. Good evening, Luke. Nice to be here. Nice again. to see you again. Nice to see you again. And uh, today I'm excited to have our guest, Björn Tiefke, who is the translator of the Bitcoin standard into Swedish, which is part of the broader consensus network mission to bring the Bitcoin standard to as many uh, languages as possible. Yeah, Björn is the editor of the uh, Swedish version of the Bitcoin standard. So he's sort of the head, head translator that coordinates all the other translators and tells them what to do and when they, when they have to start from scratch and, and do the whole thing over again, basically. So, uh, and uh, I, I held that position for a short time in the beginning of the, the, the making of this book, but I realized that job was not for me because I'm not meticulous like that. So Bjorn did me a huge favor in, in taking over the helm there and uh, translating the book uh, or making, making the book happen, basically. So, so we got it out before Christmas. So the Christmas gift of the year is, of course, my book for Swedish people who can read English, but if you can't, it's the Swedish version of the Bitcoin standard. So uh, welcome, Bjorn. Uh, nice to have you on the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here with you. Yeah. You, first, uh, tell us a bit about yourself. You're, you're a former politician and uh, you saw the intricacies of uh, and stupidity of Swedish, uh, the Swedish politics scene and uh, decided to quit all that and pursue some form of Bitcoin career instead. Is, is that correct? Well, yeah, I feel a bit stupid because it took me so long. It took me almost 20 years to see the politics. I, I understood it. It was, it is hard to make change in the politics, but I was, I had good uh, positions in my local community and I thought I did good. But, uh, later on, I realized when I learned about money, it was mostly in the um, pandemic, pandemic about it. I learned about money and I learned how the money supply is changed and fixed by a rigged, I should say it's rigged. Uh, when, I, when I started learning about that and Bitcoin more and more Bitcoin, I couldn't be in this charade anymore. So I, I, I quit politics because the politics to me is when, when, once I learned about money, I learned that money is above the politics and therefore politics is totally irrelevant. Yeah. We have private banks creating money and politicians that demand taxes in, mon in this money that 
the banks can create out of thin air. So yeah. it's, it's like the meme. If, if they can print money, why pay taxes? I came to that conf- conclusion. So I, I, I didn't want to participate in this game. But I think that as a Bitcoiner, you follow politics and you must have read a lot of mainstream media to compute that. Well, I don't take that as a compliment. But anyway, <laughs> uh, it's more like I view it more as a soap opera than anything else. Okay. I find it. I find it funny when they when they paint themselves into corners over and over again, and they don't yeah, know they how do. to solve the problems. And they can't solve them because they they are way above the the bump in the Laffer curve. The Laffer curve is a curve between zero and a hundred percent tax. And if you have zero tax, you have no state income. If you have a hundred percent tax. You have no state income either because no one would work if they had to give it all away. So you have to put put taxes somewhere in between zero and a hundred. And I think we're way beyond where the uh, income of the government actually decreases uh, when they raise the taxes uh, in Sweden and not the other way around. So w- which you can see from from like uh, the government like uh, twelve or sixteen years ago uh, lowered taxes. And the the tax revenue went up and not down, but they refused to see that. And uh, the former prime minister, the the lady social democrat, who used to be the finance minister, uh, she she categorized the Laffer curve as being a right wing extremist thing, uh, which I find fascinating too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, but she's also an economist in the IMS, isn't she? Yes, and uh, the the current prime minister, to, that is a, a right wing conservative, with well, in the Swedish context of the word, he is a student of Klaus Schwab and the WEF, just like everyone else, basically. So, yeah, my my biggest question when you spoke about the WEF, uh, who controls the, them? It must be even bigger, even greater, uh, a puppet master. Yeah. Probably BlackRock then, or something, something, something like that. Uh, but you, you, your point about the money being a more powerful force than politics can ever be is completely correct. And the only way to fix any societal problem is to fix the money first, because of this yeah. precise thing. No leader, no matter if they're democratically chosen or a dictator, can ever fix anything as long as the money is broken. And I would argue that they can't fix anything anyway, but, but, uh, the money is absolutely essential to, to them being able to do anything. Anyway, I should let you talk, uh, Bjorn, well, what's, what's your story? Tell us a bit I, more about Swedish politics or, or whatever. <laughs> Swedish politics. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm done with that. I don't need to speak much more about that because I did it. I have some assignments uh, doing politics, local school and, um, the local community council. Yeah. yeah, the council here. And I started, yeah, it must be four years ago, I started reading in the university again. It was like 20 years I was there last time, and I wanted to advance in politics. So I thought maybe I should get another degree, a better degree or something to advance in politics. But when I started learning about that, and I read National Economist and uh, what's it called? Uh, study political studies i realized more and more and then the pandemic hit and i learned about money 
So I left politics and that was a good decision because since then I have been able to work with Bitcoin and study Bitcoin and learn more and more about Bitcoin. So I was late to the party, but I think I have studied uh, to get in line with any, not with anyone else, but understanding much more and more and more about Bitcoin. So to me, it's important with Bitcoin because it, it sells sovereignty in a way I didn't know was possible before. Most of society is based on money in one way or another, and we become slaves under the, under the money. So it's like a hamster wheel, uh, chasing money to chase good credit points, to get a big loan, to get a better car or a better house, to impress people we don't like, like the memes. <laughs> What's it say? We buy things with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. Something like that. And, and I totally agree with that. So instead of getting a credit score to get loans, we get SAT scores in this. And uh, I love being in a bear market right now, stacking sheep sats again. So uh, it's not about money, but it's about time. Time. We can, we can save time in Bitcoin for later. That is a mind-blowing insight. Uh, to me, that's, that's the biggest thing. Bitcoin is time in some way. I put it like it's the uh, the perfect representation of the finiteness or scarcity of of a human lifetime. Yeah, it is. Uh, but because it reflects, it's uh, when they're gone, they're gone in the same way that your life is gone when when you're gone. So yeah, so, when time's up, yeah. yeah. when time's up, time's up. It's like a saying. People say time is money, and it really is. But why then change? exchange our time for this monopoly money that is created out of thin air. I often think of money, fiat money as a beach with sand. It's easy to go out and kick up sand. But if it was restricted to just few people to go out to the beach and pick up the sand and everyone else can stand and watch the sand, and it's, it's easier for people to understand it. Or like you have candy wrap or monopoly money. People don't understand how money is made up. Uh, yes. I, I was, my last thing in politics was to write a bill to the local council about DCA into Bitcoin. And there I explained in six pages about Bitcoin, why it's important and what money is. And politicians didn't know about that. But they told me afterwards, is this really true? I said, yes, money is, it's not worth anything. It's not even worth the ink. I think you wrote it good in your book. It says, writing dollar is more expensive than creating dollar. Typing the word dollar is more yes. uh, costly energy-wise than, than, than creating a new dollar, because creating a new dollar only requires you to press zero and enter, and not yes. six keys like the word dollar. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people, politicians don't even know that. So I had a good chat in them. I came as public because I'm not in politics anymore. So I came as public 10 months after I, I proposed the bill and discussed it with the head of the politics in the community. And he read, he took, he, he said, I had to Google this and I read it on the central bank's homepage, how money is created. And he just said what, what central bank says. So they don't know. And we have 290 municipal counties in Sweden. And if everyone is like him, we have 
lot of work to do. And it's uh, proof that we are very early into Bitcoin. People say we are late. I think we are extremely early. Yeah, I think we are too. This is a multi-generational thing for sure. We're doing all this work for our grandchildren mainly. It, it always baffles me how little people know about money and especially politicians. Then again, it's not hard to understand because a curious mind, an inquisitive mind, tends to not become a politician. <laughs> I mean, most politicians are there for, of course, there, there are exceptions to the rules, such as yourself, but most politicians are there because of some, uh, some feeling they have. They're, they're upset about some very specific societal issue, and they haven't yet connected even a small part of the dots. <laughs> they, mm -hmm. they, they see that, that like, oh, carbon dioxide is bad, therefore we should just put a giant, ginormous tax on, on fuel. And they do not think about any of the consequences. And this is very well, well laid out in Seyfedin's second book, the, the, the fiat standard as well, how, how that works <laughs> and how incompetent people get into office. Uh, and to me, I've, I've always viewed incompetence as the real trickle down economy, because if, if you have an incompetent leader on top, you're bound to get incompetence all throughout your organization. And we have seen that over and over again, like uh, one of the most prevailing problems with the political institutions is that old so social democratic ministers get the CEO positions of every, <laughs> yes, of every, they do. Uh, uh, yeah, of all the bureaucratic institutions, uh, when they retire from politics. Or they be, or foreign diplomats in other countries uh, yeah. representing Sweden. Yeah. Yeah, they're not representing me, that's for sure. <laughs> no, that's not me either. Yeah, it's a bleak, a bleak, I see a very bleak future there, unfortunately. And uh, that's part of why I moved. I'm not sure about the rest of the EU either. I think it's just grades of hell and nuances of the same thing everywhere. But Bitcoin gives me a lot of hope. And studying praxeology and understanding human action and how money works in particular gives me hope for for humanity because like all the good things we have like this technical equipment required to do this thing that all happened because of a, a somewhat free market of somewhat functioning price signals so regardless of how they tried to destroy that it's so powerful that it yet produced computers and microphones and cameras and and the internet and all sorts of things. So that certainly gives me hope for humanity. It's interesting that you say, because uh, working with this Seyfedin um, book, Bitcoin Standard, yeah, he, he wrote about the zero to one. That was very fascinating to me, I think, because he wrote about the, the cable. The, um, it's called the Lavelle Epoque, and he wrote about the inventions made. It's yeah. harder to go from zero to one. Most yeah. of the things we have now is further developments of the things already invented, like the camera, yeah. 100 years old. Internet is like the cable, uh, the telecommunication. We had the Atlantic cable. Yeah. So everything is, it's hard to reinvent, uh, to invent new things. We reinvent the old things. And uh, that is yeah. how money incentivizes uh, 
when the money works, incentivize people to acquire more money and adopting new te- technologies and refining technical things like that you said. They're incentivized to make more long-term decisions yes. and produce things that will last stand the test of time, basically. Yeah, like the art. Yeah, and the, the, the Belle Epoque, which Seyfedin talks about in the book, is the epoch when uh, most of the world was basically on a gold standard between 1850 and 1920 or something like that. There, there's also a book by Peter Thiel, the other half of PayPal, where, there, uh, where Elon Musk is the other. Peter Thiel made a, a book about uh, called Zero to One, about exactly this and how hard it is to, to invent something Truly yeah. novel and new. Ha- having now read the Bitcoin standard uh, at least five times, as I'm sure you have at this point, even more. Yeah. What what what's what's your take on that book? What's what's the biggest thing you took away from it? To me, the book I read it early in my Bitcoin uh, understanding, so I already knew a lot of this. But reading it in Swedish in my own native language. And we have worked, we worked with the language a lot. So it's a big thing. It's a big difference reading a thing in Swedish or reading Swedish words. I yeah. think you understand what I mean. Because you can have a Swedish, you can have a Swedish sentence or an American sentence or a Portuguese sentence. You can have those words as well and words together and you can read it and understand it or you read it and you don't understand it. So. We worked a lot with the book to make it readable for most of the audience and even people not interested in Bitcoin before. We want the, you, you should take the book, read a few pages and, oh, I finally get it. I connected off. Uh, that is, that was the main goal with the book. So even working with the book, I, I learned more about it, even though I read it in English before. I, I like the, way he talked about the prehistory about how money was money was made before and uh, the historical examples of the rice stones the big stones in the yap island and how um, the o'keefe man the sailor who was shipbroke came there and uh, oh you used that kind of stone i saw them on another island and he came back with more stones try to buy uh, people and their lab- their labor yeah, and every time people have learned how to make money, they will do that if that requires less uh, effort than uh, yeah, take it out from from uh, like the gold or the stones or making salt or leather or everything. So I like the the way you say he frames the prehistory of money. Money needs to be costly to produce yes. in order for it to not be. Counterfeited, uh, basically, and uh, yeah. you know, corrupted by by whoever finds a way of producing it more cheaply than it ought to be, and uh, that's what Bitcoin solved. Finally, you know, it, it sort of completely solved it because uh, regardless of how much power goes into finding new bitcoins, they're still on a fixed schedule. You cannot change that schedule. And that schedule uh, gets recalibrated roughly every two weeks. TikTok next lock, like a psychopathic clock. It uh, it just keeps on doing its thing regardless of opinions about it. And we have to adapt to this new reality that this thing exists now. 
and everyone will have to adapt to it. It's just a question of how quickly can you adapt to the new reality that is unfolding right in front of your eyes. If, if you draw the comparison to um, Blockbuster video, uh, we, we never had Blockbuster in Sweden, I believe, until maybe after Netflix was already introduced, but we, we had similar video stores. And like the, the year before they all went bankrupt, they made more profit than ever because they in- introduced candy aisles. <laughs> At least Blockbuster did. They introduced candy aisles, big, big candy aisles in half of their stores. And they managed to, you know, make a huge profits from selling candy instead. But they were, they were measuring their success from within a system that was already breaking down. So they yes. couldn't, they couldn't see the threat coming from the outside of that system. It's a little and, bit like measuring Bitcoin in dollar or fiat terms. It's, it's the exact same yes, thing. Yeah. It's like w- people who are in central banking or do macroeconomics, which is a bullshit word in itself, the, uh, and politicians and all of these people, bureaucrats and the EU delegates, they cannot see the problems within the system from the system itself because they don't have the framework of, of taking the helicopter view and viewing it from the outside. Which, in, in my opinion, only Bitcoiners have that. Only Bitcoiners are, are able to even imagine a world without traditional money. No one else is engaged in that kind of thinking at, at the moment. Uh, it's like the crypto bros. They say, it's crypto. It's crypto against yeah. uh, the central banks. Crypto against fiat. But they don't get it. Now, that's uh, just that's, more fiat. They, they're yeah. in crypto to make fiat gains. Yes. And to me, Bitcoin is the revolution of money, evolution and revolution of money. Because if Bitcoin yeah. doesn't succeed, the shit coins, the old coins won't either. So it's like Bitcoin is the zero to one. Yeah. But Going even, from zero to one. Even more than that, I, I yeah. you know, I've written a lot about this, it being a discovery rather than an invention. Yeah. Because yeah, it's do. so unique. The analogy I commonly use these days is the chess analogy. So there's a consensus around the rules of chess. And if you, if you play by those rules around which a consensus has formed, you can play with every other chess player in the world and you can enjoy all the benefits that the game of chess brings to, to it's chess It's interesting. You, you, you wrote if, that or how do you frame uh, that? Because I, I heard like that a, a few years ago. So I, I didn't mention it because I wrote my own book about Bitcoin in Swedish. So I speak uh, about that. You have 2000 chess, alternative chess. Yeah, yeah. But if you say chess, you can play with anyone. But yeah, you, yeah. You have all this altcoin chess. Yeah, you can play chess yeah. cash or chess theorem. Yeah. Like yeah. Or in chess cash, uh, there you're playing on a v- very large board with very few <laughs> pieces. Yeah. In chess theorem, you the rules change for with every move you do. <laughs> yes, and it's so complicated that no one really knows how it works. And <laughs> you can also play doggy chess, which is just. Uh, which is just stupid. And yeah. so you can play all these other games, but you can never have the network effect of the consensus thing. And money is a winner takes all game because it, it is the, the thing that society will eventually converge on and decide that this is the most attractive thing. And as soon as a person is orange pilled, they will want nothing but Bitcoin as payment for the goods and services. Yes. The only reason that they would want fiat is to avoid you know, trouble with the government. Because uh, they have monopoly on money and monopoly on violence. So yeah. 
if, yeah. if I can't, if I, if I counterfeit, uh, uh, 100 kronas uh, yeah. bill in my copier uh, to my printer, you know, it's, it's a, it's a felony, it's a crime, but the government do that all the time, stealing our wealth with inflation. So yeah. And they received a Nobel prize for it on occasion. Oh yeah, <laughs> it sure is. Bernanke got it this year. Uh, yeah. yeah. You imagine that. Huh. Cre- creating a, a financial disaster and then you get rewarded for it oh, two years later. Here's a curiosity. Do you know that the same year that uh, Friedrich Hayek got the Nobel Prize in economics, I think that was a, an anomaly uh, that, that they gave an actual economist the, <laughs> yes. the prize. But the same year he shared the prize with Jan Myrdal. Okay, the socialist man. Yeah, who was an architect of like really, really bad socialist stuff in Sweden way back where they took children away from their parents. <laughs> if the children were handicapped, they were put into nursery homes, regardless of what the, the, the parents thought about the whole deal. So there were, you know. Yeah, but Sweden, Sweden have history of being a big abuser of the population. We had yeah. race, race biology. Yeah, uh, bef- we have had a lot of racial even, biology before Nazi Germany. So yeah, uh, <laughs> for them. So yeah, uh, I think we invented it. And and they they uh, conducted experiments on mental patients, mental health patients, by giving them sugar uh, yeah. to see how fast their teeth deteriorated. And this was like in the fifties or something. Really, yeah, but really awful it's, stuff. It's that is that is my next rabbit hole right now because I I read a lot of uh, texts. And uh, I, I like conspiracies, but not like I go into them and, and think that is the truth. But it's, it's, I, I rather read a conspiracy theory than a criminal book by a famous author, because it's most of the conspiracies, they are grounded in some reality. Because I think money, when you started learning about money and Bitcoin, you often go to an obscure internet forum and they route they write about the Jewish conspiracy. And I think that's bullshit. It's bullshit. It's the fiat money. It's not the religion. It's not no. uh, some families. It's, and it's definitely not reptiles. <laughs> people, people actually think there are reptiles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, in control of everything. So yeah, but the, it's, like, it's the money. People that are in charge of the money, they love these conspiracies because it should focus from the conspiracy to a, sh- uh, a shit uh, nonsense thing. It's all—it's like all other scaremongering, like pandemics and uh, yes. you know terrorists or whatnot. It's like hey, Earth, look, look here that. at the right hand, so you don't notice what the left hand is doing. That's yeah, that's, that's exactly what it is. Take and no notice I, of the man behind the curtain type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> when I when I did my research for my own book, now I just released it, so it's it's not out yet. But I yeah, it's out for for buying, but. I did some research uh, to write that, and I found interesting stuff in Swedish public uh, libraries and Swedish, um, yeah, the government's papers. We have this offentlighetsprincip, and that is, you can email them and say, I want to look on this topic and this topic yeah. and this, and they have to send you that. So, and most of it is even free online, like we said there about um, uh, race biology. Sweden have a great history in many obscure things. We had companies, Swedish companies still active that financed the Nazis. Yes. Yeah. They are still active and we, we endorse them here in Sweden because we don't know that or we, 
it's like this. Look at this, and we don't see that hand. No, uh, exactly. Uh, it, and that's for our listeners. Oh, this Ulfentliets principle, and that's uh, one of the few good things about the the Swedish constitution that that you uh, all public. Uh, documents are actually public. Anyone can view them and anyone can re- request to read them. So only if it's like the secret police or something doing something, then you can't read it, of course, uh, if they get a stamp of secrecy. But most most official documents uh, are open to anyone. Uh, and very few people actually use this. <laughs> yeah, but it's, uh, it's, it's very much text. So I read one, one text here. It's 800 pages. Yeah. So you can't if if you if you ask to read ten page ten ten different uh, papers from them, you have work to do for months. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's too much to read it. So yeah, I, I did uh, this investigation and I had some tips from other people who have had uh, read this uh, before me, so I knew where to look. I got shocked uh, understanding how Sweden is involved in every big thing in macro politics. Uh, we have the telecom infrastructure. It's the Swedish uh, Ericsson and okay. the Swedish uh, SQF, a big company, and you have Swedish uh, ball bearings. Uh, they, they, or they, or, yeah. or uh, yeah. They are behind everything. They are behind infrastructure all over the world. It's, yeah. uh, it's connected from Sweden. That's why we are neutral in politics. Or in the world political, because it's yeah. in Sweden. You also have this, the Facebook and Google service are in Sweden. And yeah. that's, that's what, because we have the SRO law that uh, can um, wire and tap everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that happened like 10 years back and it's, it's yeah. awful. Uh, yeah. But it, it's, we are the only country that store computer data and it can be analyzed by the algorithms. Yes, this reminds me of a story I heard in Amsterdam at the at the conf- Bitcoin conference. A guy, a Dutch guy, told me about just before the Second World War, there was a uh, voluntary, you know, they they wanted to count the population. So you got a form, and you could voluntarily register your your faith, your your religion in in this document. And some people put Jew, of course. <laughs> and uh, in this particular town, there were. When the war broke out, there was a guy who burned down the building where all these papers were stored. And uh, that town had 15% more survivors, surviving Jews after the war than, than your average town. Because, because the Nazis, of course, they just looked up all the registers and uh, Hans Landa went around and shot everyone uh, who, who had registered as, as a Jew. So it's really mind-blowing how honey, honeypots of information like that can be so... You know, it, yeah. if you get that information into the wrong hands, bad things can happen. Yeah, it's like the insurance companies. It also, in, in the Nazi Germany, the insurance companies, they knew where the expensive things were stored. And if they were Jewish, you could go there and take it from them because you had the registers yeah. from the insurance companies. That yeah. was run from Sweden same, as well. Same, Swedish, same thing. Swedish people behind that as well. <sighs> Awful stuff. Anyway, yeah. your your book. Tell us more about your book. It's called Bitcoin Booken, right? Bitcoin Bitcoin Handbooken. Uh, Bitcoin Handbooken, Bit- yeah. The yeah. Bitcoin Handbook. The Handbook yeah. of Bitcoin. Yes. It started out when I did this uh, build to politics. I wrote seven pages explaining Bitcoin, and then I realized I like to write, and uh, 
I think I know a lot about Bitcoin because I, I listened to podcasts for two years yeah. constantly, reading a lot of books. So, and you know, took my own conclusions and wrote a book explaining money, explaining Bitcoin and why it's important. I wouldn't say it's a new Bitcoin standard, but it's a, it's a, it's a bit of everything I learned in some way. It's uh, quoted like it should be. So no one thinks I, I'm stealing. It's, it's like knowledge is free, but I, I want to quote and uh, attribute where it should be attributed. So I wanted to explain Bitcoin easy in Swedish. And I started w writing this before I got involved in the Bitcoin standard. And I, I knew it was a Bitcoin standard in Swedish in progress, but I think, yeah, yeah, maybe I can write my own book. But then I got involved in the Bitcoin standard also. So it was um, parallel work. But I, I put the Bitcoin standard, as, uh, my own book aside and worked with Bitcoin standard for six months. And uh, when it was ready, I started working with my own book again. Did working on the Bitcoin standard help your own writing process? It helped me like I could expand my thinking. Most of the text from my own book was already made because I was involved in a Swedish homepage that we have written articles about Bitcoin for two years. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I wrote half of the articles there yeah. uh, for the community. So I took the articles and rewrote them for a book format instead. So yeah, B2C is sweet, right? Uh, yeah, because it's Swedes, the exchange where I worked. Uh, I yeah. got employment there a year ago. And I have, together with four friends, we have a Bitcoin Sverige.org. Yeah. Uh, That's the so one. I wrote some articles there and um, took them for more like a book constant, rewrote it. Nice. So, so that's, that's cool. So there's a book in Swedish coming out and there's, there's another interesting book in Norwegian that just came out. Uh, yeah, I saw it on Twitter. Fraud, fraud coin and it's it's written not by a bitcoiner but by by some other guy who just wrote about how corrupt the the normal money system is yeah. and and uh, after that you know hodlot found the book and found it awesome and now the guy is a bitcoiner basically he wasn't so, into bitcoin before was he no i don't think okay. so i think he came from uh, from a completely different background but that's all you know Everyone's skeptic of the monetary, the current monetary system. They sooner or later they discover Bitcoin and they see it for what it is. And the, it's, the same story is true for Jeff Booth's book. He started writing the the price of tomorrow before realizing that Bitcoin is the only alternative. Like that's that's a conclusion he drew from the arguments he made to himself in that book. Yeah. Like you know this insight that there can only be one deflationary money and not more of them because that sort of takes away the whole point. I, I read half his book, but I use him as a reference when I speak about. Jeff writes about for every dollar, for every dollar that is created for GDP, Just yeah, every GDP. dollar GDP, it's three dollar in debt. So that that is re reading like that and understand the mechanics and the money behind it, it. There is no alternative. It's only Bitcoin going forward. I have a big section about Skuld that thing in, in my book as well, because yeah. that is something you don't can grasp without a proper explanation and some reference no. and, and metaphors about how it works. Yeah, because it's so much worse than people think, like yes. the snowball is really big and it, it keeps on rolling downhill faster and faster. Half of the dollars created have been created since the pandemic broke out. So half, so there are eight 
trillion dollars in next. Uh, it's just they they took print. you like one hundred and fifty years to create one trillion dollar in debt. Now we are at twenty nine trillion. Yeah, yeah, and it's getting. Uh, it's getting so bad. Like the thing I put in my book was that there were uh, twenty-one million dollars created per Bitcoin mine oh, in twenty twenty-one. That's a great quote. It's, is it? It's is so, it a rounded number? Is it exact number? It's 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 very precise actually. Okay. Because uh, a Bitcoin was created on an average every one and a half minutes, and there were eight trillion dollars created, and uh, divide by three hundred sixty-five. And by sixty, uh, no, and by twenty-four, and by sixty, and times one and a half, and you get <laughs> you 21. get you get twenty-one million. That's great. So yeah. So what are you? Um, are you going to any conferences next year? You have anything planned? Well, I was in Riga uh, this year in September, yeah, and I would like to do that again. It was very interesting. Yeah, we have to go, we have to go next year too, right? Yeah, I heard about the Oslo Freedom Conference. That was that would be very interesting. I just followed it from from my screen. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad. And, twi- and Twitter, yes, it's really funny to go to these conferences because at home, when I speak about Bitcoin at home uh, with people I know or in communities like this, it's like I'm the smartest guy in the room, and I know I'm not. But it, like in Bitcoin terms, then my in my around the people I know. Going to like the conference was very humbling because I listened more than I spoke. There. Yeah. Uh, and that is that is uh, rare in Bitcoin for me because I live in a relative small town and not many people here are into Bitcoin or economics or have figured it out like we have done about the politics. I, and I don't think we are wrong to it. I think everyone else is. And going to a Bitcoin conference, is, it's... Uh, my best advice to people not have, who have not been there yet: go there and find people to talk about Bitcoin and listen yeah. and learn. Yeah, or or download the Orange Pill app and uh, yeah. and find them okay. through that. Yeah, That's tell me about yeah. that later. There are new sponsors as well. So so okay. this gamer we're shilling them, but but it's only because we love them so much. Uh, so it's like is it like a date app or what? Yes, it's it's not a dating app. That's that's one of the taglines. But it could be a dating app if you want to date other Bitcoiners. That's where you find them. So it's an app that lists Bitcoiners in your vicinity, but they don't track your exact geolocation. So they gives you they give you distance to to this Bitcoiner. So so you could uh, you can see that there are other Bitcoiners in your town or in your municipality, and uh, you can chat to them and uh, look them up and. You have to pay three dollars per month for the app to ensure that we don't get spam bots or shit corners or anything else. If if you're not paying paying your the product, so that's that's the idea of that app. I have two conferences booked for for this spring, and that's Bitcoin Miami and uh, BTC Prague, and that's one that you, I think you should look up. Uh, really? It's going to be a big one, and Prague is. Uh, have you been to Prague? No. It's, Fantastic city. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. it's like I understand it's an old city with old buildings and uh, very nice. Um, One of the most beautiful cities classicals. I've been to. Yeah, oh great, I like it's, that. It's yeah, low yeah. time pre- low time preference buildings. Yes, and on top of the low time preference of the of the city, there's there are many low time preference people there. I met like I was always I always wondered where all the Swedish libertarians were, <laughs> and okay. it turns out they were all in Prague. Okay. Oh. Homeschoolers and Mises Institute people 
without doxing anyone there. Okay. That, that's where we can find other Swedes. Because wh- when you said that about being the smartest guy in the room, our, our friend Nico, he always says that if, if you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in the, you wrong, are in the room. wrong place. Yeah. You're in I the wrong think. room. So you should just yeah. go find another room. Yeah, yeah find another room and listen more than you speak. That is important. Yeah, uh, I'm working on that. It's important to have this um, exchange even for you. That is, you. I, I think you, absolutely. You are, to me, you are inspired. I, I, I don't know if you wrote so you've seen my book, but uh, page two, my dedication. I list you and Saifedean and other people that inspired me when I got into Bitcoin because I read your books and that and Saifedean and. Uh, Stefan Libera's podcast and a lot of other people, uh, they helped me understand the Bitcoin. And I, I was lucky. I think I was lucky found find Bitcoiners, not shitcoiners early because it helped me understand. And that's why it's so important if people are Bitcoiners and identify as Bitcoiners, help people out, answer yeah. to questions because five minutes helping someone out, that might change that person's life forever. Yeah. And when I get feedback from people, and that's the best warm, fuzzy feeling ever <laughs> when, when people have actually improved their lives because of something you did. And that's, that's just the best thing ever that can happen to you. It can get a bit overwhelming <laughs> yeah, after a while and you have to pick, pick, pick and choose stuff. But yeah, who am I to say if someone is worth my time or not? I try to, I try to just, you know, reply to as many people as I can, yeah. because why, why shouldn't I? It's, it's easy. Pe- people uh, often tend to be a bit lazy and, and that, that's sad. So I get some emails as well and, and chat on, on Instagram and, and uh, Twitter. And it's, it's easy for me to see if they have tried self first before they ask. It's not, I can see on the question, did you try to understand it before you asked or did you just yeah. ask me instead of doing the Google thing? Yeah. And, uh, but if people really show with their question that they have tried to figure it out for themselves, it's, it's more fun to answer them. The two most common, really not getting it at all type questions I get is like, oh, what's the price of a Bitcoin? And you tell them the price of a Bitcoin and they go, oh, really? Who, who sets that price? Who decides, <laughs> who decides the yes. price? And, and the second question is, oh, how many do you have then? Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's like, oh, uh, could you, excuse me, could you show me your bank, a uh, bank statement? Uh, how much money do you have? <laughs> like, yeah. who, who the fuck like, asks that? I understand how you mean, but I like the tiny kind of question when, when I can see they did try, they have put some brain activity to, to figure it out for themselves. And they, they have a good question. Like, yeah. Okay. If Bitcoin doesn't succeed. What happens to my money and uh, what should I do? I think that is a question like they have tried to figure it out and they have been reading some things before they ask. And I, I want to answer people on their questions. Now I can say read my book. And that's, that's good. Yeah, that's, that's great. And you're, you're going to realize that having, having a book is, is awesome. You're, instead of giving people your your CV or something, you can give them your book. That's <laughs> a very yeah. good feeling. I, 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 I will send you one because yeah, I, I, I would send a oh, book thank you. To, to the people I, I yeah. thank. And it's, I, I haven't been on Twitter much lately because I was busy with my book, but the exact same day I sent it to print, 
I read about the, the Bitcoin or what's it? Jameson Law. Oh, yeah. He, he, his company went Ethereum that day. Yeah, yeah. The same day I sent my book to print. I think he was very important to me in the beginning, learning about Bitcoin because I like his Bitcoin page. He has yeah, a, it's good. A Bitcoin homepage with a lot of in, information. Law for resources yeah. or something, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's why I started helping out with the Swedish um, site uh, listing, Swedish uh, sources and uh, foreign uh, exchange uh, sources explaining Bitcoin. I think we have your, your uh, 21 series and the movies you made with, uh, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, we list them because yeah. I, I saw his page and we wanted to do something like that uh, ourselves in Swedish. Uh, it's very important for me. I, I want I want people to have Bitcoin information in Swedish. Yeah, because it lowers the threshold to understand Bitcoin. Yeah. and it's scarce. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's scarce. It's not very much uh, Swedish uh, uh, content no. out there. By so, the way, I, I uh, as a consensus uh, team member, uh, we work on your books. You know that, and uh, it's yeah, very, yeah. Uh, we have a Swedish guy. It's very good. He's he's one of the best Swedish Bitcoin translators. He did a fantastic job. So soon, uh, people will be able to read your books in Swedish, and oh. uh, that's that's awesome because I like your first book, The Sovereignty. Maybe it's not the first, but the big one, yeah. Sovereignty to Matt. To me, it's the first one. <laughs> yeah. Now I I think you had I, a, I had another. That. Yeah, it's just a collection of of articles, uh, and that was just a. A prototype to 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 you know take myself through the process of self-publishing a book basically yeah and then i, I got help with the editing of sovereignty and it became a lot better uh for it so so, so yeah i like your sovereignty book it's recommended for people to read it because it's I, I, the part where you write about the medicination of med medicine kids and uh, yeah. medication kids. kids yeah yeah the easy way out uh, Instead of see the kid and help the kids, it's it's affecting. It's re reading that kind of stuff in a Bitcoin book and even get it in a context because what's that have to do with Bitcoin? It is. Uh, it's a way of thinking. You you change the way to think when you learn about Bitcoin. So uh, that book is was very important to me as well. Reading that. Thank you for your kind words. It's, <laughs> it truly warms my heart to to yeah, hear that. I I, I I think it's. Um, Important to have this book in Swedish. So I'm happy now. We, when my own book is ready now, so I will dive into the Swedish translation books. Nice. Uh, because it's, it's, um, really helped me expanding my thinking, uh, re reading, not reading in your own native language. I, I, I know I'm not the best speaker of English right now, but you and me, we are not native speakers. We can speak English and understand each other. And I think English people would understand us a bit and, <laughs> Maybe they think, oh, your grammar is wrong. They say to me, but it's the network effect of language. Yeah. Uh, but I miss, I miss some words to form, do my word perfect. But in Swedish, I can, I can read the English text and rewrite it in Swedish words. Yeah. With better nuances. And that's why it's important to have books on your own native language to read. Because if you are not into Bitcoin and you are not very good at English, because Everyone is. If you are not English speaker, you don't understand every word in English. No, you don't. And if you don't are into it, economics and Bitcoin, it's very hard to read a Bitcoin book in English.
Yeah, but then you're the you're the right guy for the job then because you're understanding all the English and you 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 find it easier to to express yourself in Swedish. And I'm I'm the other way around. I, yeah, I, I hate trying to write in Swedish because the the grammar makes no sense to me because you can construct the sentences in three different ways and there is like no there's no way that's that that you know speaks to you through the screen and says this is the right way to put it. But yeah. when I write in English, it's that I get that from from just reading the sentence. Oh, that's it. That looks like a good sentence. That's the one I'm going to use. So, yeah. so yeah, that's why I chose to write in English. And that, and whenever you do something and do it a lot, you get better at it, and you want to yes. do more of it, and you you like refine your skills. I'm currently writing a book about praxeology, so I've been I'm back into writer's mode. I've been writing the last couple of weeks and uh, looking forward to to having that read by people and eventually translated as well. So I'm writing like a, a more easily accessible book about praxeology. Uh, yeah, because I think that's needed. Yeah, it is. Uh, I'm, I'm not into that much. I just heard you, you and uh, some other people speak about it. So it's, it's a topic I want to dive into. Uh, yeah. Right now I'm reading The Creature from Jekyll Island. Yeah, yeah, I read that. It's an excellent book. Yeah, <laughs> it's a yeah, bit so long. It's a bit long, but 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 it's beautifully written. Uh, very a, very beautiful language. Uh, yeah. As a Bitcoiner, there are always books to read, and uh, we, we don't have to read Bitcoin books, but read bit books about finance and economy, and like this, the creature from Nickel Island. It answers questions from another angle, explaining the system and explaining money and explaining. Praxeology and the human actions, like reading Mises, is it's not about Bitcoin. It's about understanding more a broader view. So yeah. I, I have a lot of books on my nightstand right now, and I Bitcoin helped me read again because as an adult you don't read much when you when you graduated and you have a work in the hamster wheel with fiat you don't read books as much. I didn't at least. It was when I found Bitcoin I started read again and find it interesting to read again. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm devouring books now because and I I listen to them at two and a half times the speed and just you know I know kung fu type of matrix type learning. Yeah, <laughs> I, I almost only do audiobooks. I I, okay. I can't make myself look into a page that doesn't move. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I I I did some audiobooks as well. I like guys who want he's narrating some of your books. Yeah, yeah, I know all, all my words. Yeah. It's been doing everything. So we have a new yeah. video coming out soon, uh, and I just like, heard the narration, and it's uh, spot on as usual. So. I, I read, I read your <laughs> everything book recently again, uh, some part to it, and it's uh, I hear Guy Swan in my head. Yeah, Please yeah. Just, <laughs> this praxeology book, I'm trying to be more rigid in my thinking and more not as ethereal or whatever like I, I in the bitcoin books and especially the last one i like to put some really wild and, and big ideas in it uh which may or may not be you know reality related but but with the praxeology book you have to you have to be more much more concise and much more boxed in and the, the only thing i promised myself b before starting was like this book i'm not going to mention bitcoin even once yeah, I, I'm going to imply that having something absolutely scarce would be, be very. But I'm not going to say the word Bitcoin ever in the book. So that's yeah, that's a great thought yeah. because 
people uh, generally that not are into Bitcoin, they are a bit skeptical about Bitcoin. But if you explain it with other words, maybe they eventually will, will find yeah, out it's, but it's a good thing. Yeah. A recent takeaway from my you know, deep dive into axiology is how weird it is when, back to Swedish politicians here again, when they say that they're against profits in, in the welfare system. In praxeological terms, a profit, just like any other evaluation or value, it's, it's entirely subjective what a profit means. So, so even a guy committing suicide does that to it because he believes he can profit from it because he believes that the, the comfort of death will bring him more satisfaction than the dissatisfaction of life. So, so a profit is just satisfaction uh, attained minus satisfaction foregone. Uh, That's interesting. So, so, so in, in money terms, uh, on the market or in what praxeologists call catalactics, it's, it's very easy what a profit and a loss is because you can denominate it in money, but people do things for other reasons than money. Uh, so, so the true motives behind like an, an actor imagines a world where his action has changed something with his surroundings in order to, to get into a state of less dissatisfaction. And that's why we do things at all. We're, we have a felt uneasiness within us that we want to relieve ourselves of. And that's the basic, the basis of all human action. Even if you have a whole bunch of money and you give it all away to charity, you do that because you feel that you would psychically profit from it because it makes you feel better than just hoarding the money or buying Lambos with it or Gucci, Gucci bags as some shitcoiners do. Uh, so everything everyone does, they do because they believe they can profit from doing so. So in this sense, Saying that you're against profits, it's a non-secular argument. It's oxymoronic even because your aim when, when saying that is to argue with the other person so that that person will eventually believe it's true too. And in having done that, you've profited from arguing with the other person because you got to a state of, of less dissatisfaction. So even in arguing against profits, you're seeking profit. So uh, saying that you're against profits is, first of all, you can't even do that. And implied by that statement is that you're for losses. So you can't be against profits without being for losses. <laughs> because yeah. in, in, a, in an unhampered free market, all interactions are voluntary. So, so everyone wins. At all times, there are no losers. That there cannot be. <laughs> but how can we apply that on Bitcoin? Because with Bitcoin, if Bitcoin price or purchase power go up, yeah. everyone's wealth go up. Uh, yeah, the same amount of percent. Yeah. Today, with the fiat, you have to be closer to the printer press to benefit the most. Yes, uh, with Bitcoin, is on a Bitcoin standard, would that be a non-problem? Well, you probably can't get rid of violence altogether. So, so the, an absolutely free market is an imaginary construct. It can never be a, a, a true reality in the world because there will always be aggressive behavior and people will always do bad things. There's a very low chance that we'll ever get rid of that altogether. 
But what we have to remember with the fiat system is that it's based on violent behavior. It's based on theft. You're giving up something every time you get paid or pay something with fiat currency. You're being bereft of parts of the purchasing power of, what, of the money you're paying with because someone is stealing it by printing more of it. So that in itself is violence. So every time you use fiat, you promote violence. I know we're into deep, deep ter territory here, but try to argue against it. I, I, I do all the time. I try to argue against all these arguments, but since they're based on, you know, you, you, you start at man must act because otherwise man dies because he doesn't feed himself. So, so you get to that point. Okay. Why does man act? He tries to get into a state of less dis dissatisfaction. How does he do that? He imagines something in the future where he has done something to better his living in some way, shape or form. So he tries to acquire means to reach those ends. And that's it. And from, from, from that very basic notion of why people do things, you can then uh, introduce a second actor. And what happens if they can voluntarily trade with one another? And you quickly see that they both benefit because if they didn't, they, the trade wouldn't have happened. At least they have, at least they believe they will benefit from the trade. And from that, you can derive, okay, so what is money? Money is something we can, uh, it's the most saleable good in society. Uh, the thing that emerges as the unit of account and the, the, the medium of exchange that people use in order to not have to split the cow in half be before giving it away for three goats. And you know all of this having read monetary history, but the big takeaway when you think deeply about these things is that all government is violence and all, uh, all money printing is violence. It's there, by design. Like, it's yeah. by design and it's, and it's awful and it's criminal and it's happening everywhere all at once, all the time. So that's, that's the sad state of reality. The good state of reality is that we have Bitcoin now and we have a sly roundabout way to circumvent all the bullshits. Yeah, we have an alternative to that. Opt out from the system and start using Bitcoin instead. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what, what would your would you would you say people should invest all their money in Bitcoin or just the one they want to keep or just the money they can afford to lose or how do you frame it? I, I think of it like like three different ways. Someone said it's always the rule: just invest money you can afford to lose. And you have this saying about Bitcoin: just invest all the money you want to save or you want to keep. You, you can't and afford to lose. <laughs> yeah, only keep as much fiat as you can afford to lose. And you have two different ways of seeing this. Is it really 100% Bitcoin going to succeed? I don't know, but maybe... Uh, Not for us, but for our grandchildren, maybe. It, and in that, in that scenario for the grandchildren, there are only 21 million Bitcoins. You, no person would need one whole Bitcoin. No, because uh, it's going to be if Bitcoin, if Bitcoin succeed, and w we think it will, but if it does, it will be so scarce that 21 million Bitcoins don't, it's nothing. Uh, you, you well, it, need well, a it few. Is because, sense. yeah, and uh, the, the, they on layer two, they're infinitely divisible, almost yeah. like because, uh, if you never settle, which is not really. There are some technical details about how that works and to which extent you can do that. But 
each each Bitcoin is divisible into a hundred million sats, yes. and uh, so uh, two point one quadrillion is a lot of units, and that's plenty enough for it to go around for uh, for eight billion. Like yeah. people people don't see the difference between a million and a, and a billion, which is about a billion, and the 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 difference between a billion and a trillion is about a trillion. So if there are two point one quadrillion uh, bitcoins, that's like yeah, we're, we're eight billion people. That's plenty enough yeah. for all of us. And and with that in mind, I I'm thinking like this because in Bitcoin community, I think Bitcoin uh, so called I I don't like the term Bitcoin maximalist because it was framed. Was Vitalik who you know yeah, the word? No, we're shitcoin minimalists. That's what we are. Yeah, shitcoin minimalists. But I, I, I don't like the term Bitcoin maximalist. But if if you talk to Bitcoin maximalists and people like you and uh, other other people uh, speak about Bitcoin a lot, it's like just buy stack sats, buy Bitcoin, hold it forever. But uh, you have this. If you have, if you are here right now and you have a family, yeah, how yeah. how you you must think of Gerson as well, because yeah. Bitcoin is a long-term saving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you you don't need full Bitcoin in hundred years to give no. to your grandkids. No, no, no. Because uh, so I think I think uh, people uh, Bitcoiners uh, we we tend to miss the part of e- even if it's we want no time preference and think of the future, we should wait our opportunity cost right here right now, but. I think yeah. we should live more right now as well. Yeah, right. yeah. Your your own. The only thing you have is the present moment. Yes. So so because time is scarce, and if we want to, we want Bitcoin to succeed. But like, if you if we only have a spare time on on Earth, and we have twenty years with Bitcoin monetizing and becoming big, I think wasting. 20 years waiting for Bitcoin to rise in price. To me, yeah. that's wrong. That's wrong approach to Bitcoin. Absolutely. And I agree totally. So, so my stance on this is like, since the Bitcoins you own are your responsibility through and through. So, so the only one you have to blame if you lose is yourself. You're, you're the one that didn't protect them enough. So, so you have to weigh that in with everything else you happen to own, like a house or a car or whatever it is, fiat currency or whatever the other things are, whatever the other things you own are. You know, having 10 million euros in Bitcoin and uh, two houses, then you probably have, your your hodl is too big. (laughs) Like your stack is too big because you could lose your seed phrase. You could could lose your, your keys. You could... You could, God forbid, be hacked or whatever, whatever happens. So, so you have to weigh that against the other. The more important thing, I think, is to to not only stack and hold Bitcoin, but to to live Bitcoin and to wield Bitcoin, as as Nico says, to to use Bitcoin to for something good. So, so pursuing might not have to be a Bitcoin career, but a career in which you can get at least parts of your salary paid in Bitcoin. It's a huge step, and that's like that, that's like the equivalent of turning off the TV every once in a while. So that and that's the re- if we really want to, you know, make Bitcoin functionality go up, we need to not spend Bitcoin but get paid in Bitcoin. 
And when we do, we simultaneously take away power from the old system. And then you realize how, how fucking early we are, because this is so small. If you look at how many retailers and services online that actually take sats, it's remarkably few still in 2022. So that's, that's the real turning point when people start accepting nothing but sats for their goods and services. Right now, there are plenty of sites, myself, my own included, where you can pay both in sats and, uh, and in uh, euros. I mean, I, I sell the books mainly. That you, if you buy them from Consensus, you, you can use Lightning and on-chain. Yeah. Uh, when I sell my <laughs> stupid t-shirts and coffee mugs, uh, <laughs> I, I, I charge people in euros on the site. But if you just DM me, I'll gladly send you an invoice and you can buy them for sats as well. So, so, so I accept both everywhere. But I shouldn't really, because every time I accept fiat, I, I, I steal from my kids. So the only reason I do it is to have a fiat income to show the tax authorities whenever they knock, happen to knock on my door. So, so that's, that's the trick. <laughs> so yeah. do something in that is somehow related to Bitcoin. Uh, that, that's as important as hodling. Interesting. That, yeah. I, I think about that sometimes a lot, I should say, because uh, right here, right now, uh, doing fun stuff with the kids or saving sats for them for the future, yeah. it's, it's, um, we, we, when, when, I, when, I, when I got the family, it's, you, you sh Bitcoin changed your way to think and family and kids change the way to think. Yeah. Because you want to be here with them and you want to give the best for them later on. Uh, that's why getting to the mental place where you see, okay, how much Bitcoin is enough? Is it enough with 0 0.1 or 1.0 or, well, that's, that's a number for everyone to, to, to figure out for themselves. Uh, to me, it's not important to have the biggest stack. It's to buy time in the future and Bitcoin enables that thing. And if, if and when Bitcoin becomes the big thing, we, Everything divided when, divided not, by, not if yeah, when when it becomes everything divided by twenty one millions, no one needs one full Bitcoin, and that's why it's oh. important to think right now, uh, but, also doing good things at the present time. Yeah, but no one needs a trillion dollars now either. So so like, no, but uh, but, but it's still it. fun to be a trillionaire, like because you have <laughs> a lot of more options. Yeah, and they, yeah, and you can be altruistic as as hell having a, a trillion dollars, of course. So money in the in that sense is just an amplifier of your personality. Yeah, you you can you can afford to do more things with your time, and you can start business. And by the way, uh, praxeologically speaking, again, there's a difference between uh, s uh, saving and entrepreneurship. And saving is not a low time preference thing. Saving is, is actually a high time preference thing. The low time preference thing is to invest your money into a, uh, uh, business that you believe will make profit, uh, make a profit for you in the long run. So, yes. so that, so that's the correct framing. How, having said that though, uh, holding, hodling is not entirely similar to saving, especially not in this adoption phase because Right now, hodling sort of is an investment since Bitcoins go up in purchasing power over time. And it's sort of 
makes the whole saving thing uh, very interesting because at some point, businesses that imagine that we're in a totally hyper Bitcoinized world and every single transaction is made with Bitcoin or it's barter between two goods. In that world, very few stacks will go up in terms of Bitcoin. Yes. Almost all Bitcoin stacks will have to go down in order for people to just survive and go about their day and buy food. Uh, So in in that world, you might even start a business not to make a profit in Bitcoin terms, but in purchasing power terms. So that you're you still lose bitcoins your your stack will sh- still shrink but at a slower pace than had you not invested them at all so you're looking at the uh, at the angle of the curve uh, rather than the the curve itself in terms of bitcoins so you're 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 searching for a higher purchasing power not a higher stack of bitcoins and th- this world is so hard to imagine because it's like one divided by current world, by one divided by clown world. It's a very, very interesting thing to think about because it's so different. It's the literal opposite of today. Yeah, and that's why it's so mind-blowing to take one day's labor in fiat paycheck. One, yeah. one day would be equivalent of one full Bitcoin mining stack in like 60, 70 years. Uh, you can buy a whole block subsidy for yeah, action. That, that's <laughs> to, today we have six point twenty yeah. five bitcoins every ten minutes and like yeah. nine hundred nine hundred per uh, day. Uh, and in in fifty years, the same amount of one 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 day's bitcoin. We can buy one day of bitcoin very cheap today. Yeah, uh, but in fifty years and save it for later. And just rewind the clock and look ten years back, like. If you bought a Bitcoin for, yeah, whatever you bought it for, like there are there are thousands upon thousands of of ASICs running day and night, consuming the same amount of power as Finland uh, in order in order to acquire what you could buy for ten bucks. So and and that will continue into the future. So that's and all fascinating. I'm happy I didn't find Bitcoin earlier because if I if I had found Bitcoin uh, or Bitcoin found me in like ten years, I definitely would have sold. Uh, yeah, uh, because it's not easy to hold Bitcoin. It's no, uh, it's both uh, difficult and easy at the same time. Yeah, because it's easy to to hold because you don't have to do anything, but you have to have the mind to hold it, even if it doubles or triples or ten doubles in worth or. Yeah, you lose half your money, and you yeah. think, "Oh no, I'm gonna lose even more." Maybe I sell. Yeah. Uh, when you find out what Bitcoin really is, that is, that is when 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 this life starts. I think when it you is. understand money and you understand Bitcoin and you evaluate and frame everything in Bitcoin, you go to the plastic shit store and see. Oh, I have a sweater with a Santa Claus on and big red nose. Only 10 euros and I buy it because it's fun to have for Christmas. And in opportunity cost in Bitcoin, it's a lot. I saw, I saw it like that. And it's plastic shit for kids and kids love it. And they want it. And daddy, can I have this? No, you can. I want, 
I, I will give you $10 of stuff instead. Where, where can people find your book? Right now, it's uh, very hard to find, but we are working on to, to publish it on Consensus. Yep, uh, perfect. It's going out on Consensus and uh, also on the Swedish uh, internet libraries, of course, uh, the Swedish bookstores. It's, it's written in Swedish, so I think it's mainly for the Swedish audience. And the Swedish audience know where to find me. Oh, uh, I'm on, yeah, I, um, because my book is written in Swedish, so I don't think people in other countries will read it. Uh, but we will have it on consensus and on the Swedish bookstores. Have, uh, is that including physical Swedish bookstores? Because those are really hard to get a book into. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it is because um, I listed my book on the right way. Uh, I started to get, really get it into Swedish bookstores. I started uh, a publishing house, yeah, uh, a Swedish publishing house, and listed on the publish. Uh, where you list books and libraries and for everything. So it should be out in, if people, if enough people go to their local bookstore and ask for it, it will be easy for them to find and uh, take to, to, to the store. All right. Nice. I will do, I will, uh, in the local shops where I live, uh, I spoke to three different bookstores and they will have me sitting there, sign books and sell my books on the shelf. And I, I promised them some commission on the books. So nice. it's, nice. it's easy when, when you live in the town, I, I, I went down to my bookstore and, and they, they want the local authors. And nice. Since, nice. since I, since I go into their system, they will, uh, they are in a big, what's it called? A big uh, business chain with more stores in other towns. So I think what is that? If, Aca if you, if, Academy Bokanden? Yeah. Academy Bokanden and Uglan, the owl. Uh, yeah. Uh, so when you are listed in their system, it's like, uh, like the McDonald's in El Salvador. You are in like everyone. The yeah. system is there. So, uh, I will, uh, we will do the Bitcoin standard, the Swedish, the Swedish Bitcoin standard, uh, in the Swedish bookstores as well. So it's easy to list and find because Bitcoiners know what consensus is. They, they find consensus networks uh, and they find the Bitcoin books. Getting into the local bookstore and Swedish bookstore where normally shop that not are into Bitcoin yet, but maybe they will buy a book about economy or finance and they click on that and in the sidebar, maybe you like this book. That's good. You can, of course, find the, um, the Swedish translation of the Bitcoin standard on the bitcoinbook.shop, which is uh, one of the addresses that will take you to Consensus network, consensus net dot network with a K is also where you find the consensus network. But links to all of that are in the show notes. Bjorn, you're Bjorn Tisha, Tisha, you're Bjorn Tisha. Swedes will understand without without the without the without the pricks. Say Yeah, but it sounds funnier to say the prick. That this yeah. is an internal joke because uh, yeah. the, wor the word for dot in Swedish is prick. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so my book would be listed in, in, in the Swedish shop. And uh, we also have the Swedish uh, community uh, also in, in our forum groups. So uh, yeah, I will, let I will let people know they can find it. And I think they should be together because I, I showed them here. They have the same size. Your book has a really beautiful cover. Yeah, my cover is Adam Kadmon. Uh, oh. The author of the Bitcoin religion symbols. Oh yeah, yeah. It's been on scarcity. Adam 
I think I, I met him in Miami. I'm not entirely sure. So, so that's where you can find the books. Uh, and uh, there's also for Swedes, there's a, a Bitcoin group, uh, Bitcoin only group on Discord. Yes, uh, it's called Bitcoin Sverige. Bitcoin, Bitcoin Sverige or .org. Yes, another Swedish resources you should look up um, Simon uh, Simon Lind's uh, pod. It's called Bara Bitcoin, and that's the only one that's Bitcoin only in Swedish. The other Bitcoin pods in Swedish are teeming with shitcoinery. Unfortunately, it's more profitable to to talk about altcoins, and that's why in I the think short run, yes, yes, in the long run, absolutely not. No, so so I uh, I, I will visit Simon uh, and his podcast and speak Swedish in a week nice, or two. Nice, yes, nice. I like to speak Swedish. I can express myself much better in my own language. Th this is also funny because I, I've I've done so much you know pods and everything about Bitcoin in English. So the first time I talked to to Simon, it was very very hard to you yeah, know you, you get anything through you think bitcoin in english i guess i, I do i do yeah, yeah and uh, because bitcoin twitter is in english and everything yes so so yeah it's a really strange thing really but but that's <laughs> that's what happens i guess Bjorn, i liked what you were saying at the beginning about kind of um your involvement in the 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 local politics of it all and you've said that you you've stepped away from that but do you do you still see some value in engaging with the political system in order to further Bitcoin? I think, I think it's a good start because in the local community, I don't know every, every country, but Sweden, we have the local community. I, in, in Sweden, there are 40,000 politicians and most of them aren't, they aren't doing it for, for their job and making money off it. It's people, normal people, they, they care about their school and their community and their elderly in their, where they live. So they engage in politics and they do some time every month helping out with politics, taking decisions and looking what, what do the money go to. Uh, so that's, that's a good, it's like a grassroots speaking to local politicians. It's not like the same talking to the prime minister. Uh, I mean, I, I want to do politics uh, close to the people because in the parliament where I sit in the local, there are 49 persons. They are there because they like where they live and they want to improve their kids or their parents' homes. So if I go there and talk about Bitcoin to them and explain how money works, it's another connection to them. And they, they listen more because we are local. It's not always about red or blue party or left or right because it's some, some people, some places in Sweden, you have political opponents working together because they say it's for the community's best. So people often think it has to start at the top. I think it should start in the bottom because the people in the political, I don't want, it's not the bottom because, but it's the bottom because it's the, the, the closest politics. If you start close, people in the local, they will eventually when it's election four years later, they are probably gonna be on the list for the, the national party. So it's important to talk talk to Bitcoin, talk to economics and finance to the to the locals because they eventually will be the big politicians one day, or their friends in the party will be. 
or or they won't because they learned about Bitcoin. And they, they learn stopped. about Bitcoin. Yes, they, they, they dropped out of politics altogether. My my, my own book, and uh, I will do some funding and send it to the people here where I live. It's fifty books. I will send for free to them because uh, I I spoke to Bitcoin. I spoke Bitcoin with them and. It's on my Twitter page, your teacher show. It's called it's just like that on Twitter. I have when I give them, I show them. Uh, it's like a coup. I went in there with the Bitcoin standard, giving it to the uh, parliament and say read it and have it in the in the community house here, and spoke about Bitcoin to them since I had this bill. Uh, that's 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 my way to get the politicians more aware of Bitcoin. I don't think they went home straight that night bought Bitcoin, but next time they hear about Bitcoin, Bitcoin might be at the double price of today. And then they find, okay, it's not dead yet. To me, it took, I heard about Bitcoin first time like 10 years ago. I never bought. And then I heard about it again. I didn't, I never bought. I thought, oh, it's just still alive. People say that was a bubble. And about 10 years later, 2019, 20, I started hear about Bitcoin again, and then, okay, maybe I should investigate this because it's never dying. Start talking about Bitcoin. We have to get the people aware of it and explain. You don't have to explain Bitcoin, just explain fiat. That's enough. To understand Bitcoin, you have to understand fiat, I think. That helped me. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, you cannot understand the solution if you don't first understand the problem. Um, yeah, I, I I have a big section in my book about the petrodollar and how the environmental yeah. ESG groups are they are totally wrong to the on the on the board because they they want to they 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 think the current system is good and Greta Thunberg even said we have to save the banks. She said the banks are the problem; they create money out of thin No, no, well, well, that, that, that was so slight, framed slightly wrong. Because, uh, so I hate to defend Greta Thunberg because I disagree with her on absolutely everything. Okay, but, I, but didn't I she to, say we have to save the banks? No, she said if we can save the banks, we can save the environment. So oh, that's have, true. Yeah, yeah. We, if we can save that's them, if we have the money to save the banks, we have the money to save the environment. Oh, uh, like and she doesn't, it. what she doesn't understand there is like in accumulating the money to save the environment, all you will do is save the banks. Yes. And, <laughs> and, the, and the petrodollar is, is, I like the Gladstein article uh, about the petrodollar. Yeah. There was a video made from that was really good. Uh, okay. I yeah. just read it. I, I'm the reading guy. Uh, well, he explained how the petrodollar and the fiat and the world economy is tied together with the dollar and the oil. And as long we have the dollar, we can't have a green planet. No, and people who want to, uh, like, since since oil is priced in dollars, whenever the Fed prints new dollars, they print oil. Yes, stealing it from everyone else. And uh, there were two people in the Arab world has been trying to stop this dollar hedge money lately: Saddam Hussein, yeah, yeah. and Omar Gaddafi. Both of those countries were destroyed by the US. Uh, we cannot tell if it was because of the, the, the petrodollar uh, thing or not. Of course, uh, it sounds uh, conspiratory and everything, but but that those are the facts. They tried to get rid of the dollar and sell oil uh, for, for other currencies and yeah. they got invaded. So yeah, there's that. 
Yeah. So that's, that's the point. I mean, uh, we should, we have to educate people. If you don't educate them about Bitcoin, we have to educate people about fiat and the current system. And that will lead to Bitcoin or something else. Many yeah. people are stuck in the gold, but gold have proven, proven itself to be manipulated and gold are controlled by central banks. Yeah. Confiscated. Like. Yeah. Uh, what's sailors' words about that? Like, uh, if you are to store gold for a hundred years, what town do you choose? What what city do you store it in? And there isn't one. All the all the cities that have hoarded gold for a long time have been. Uh, people have wanted that go- gold uh, over the ages, and uh, wars have been fought over it. So storing yes. ho- huge piles of gold probably is probably not a good thing. Better to keep 12 words in your head. All right. It was great to have you on, Bjorn. And I'm so happy that the the Bitcoin standard and the Swedish translation of the Bitcoin standard is done. I'm very happy about that. And I, I'm happy with that I contribute. I could contribute to it. I, yeah, I wrote, you wrote, you wrote a, a good word and, and help out to it. Great, great uh, talking to you about during the process. We had some good talks and... Uh, I, I must say it's not one man show. We were a whole team, and I really would. Yeah. So shout out to everyone team, on the yeah, team. They've the team, done a fantastic job. Yeah, they sure do. And they, there's proof of work for you because they really put in the hours. So, so thanks to everyone involved for for doing this Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so very happy to have that out. Happy to see that. You wrote your own book during uh, during the process. That's absolutely awesome, and happy that that is available for purchase right now as well. And yeah. uh, hopefully, people can get their hands on that before Christmas too. Maybe fingers crossed. And uh, happy happy to have you here, and uh, o- hope to see you in real real life soon again. Maybe in Prague yeah. or or something. The Prague, we investigated. Thank yeah. you for the tip. And uh, we'll see each other on the internets, of course. Yeah, thanks again, Bjorn. I really appreciate having you on the show. Uh, Knut's pretty much said everything. Uh, just before uh, we close the show off, uh, just a reminder. First of all, uh, check out the Orange Pill app. Uh, it's a uh, brand new social networking app for Bitcoiners, not a dating app. Uh, they're a Bitcoin-only company. so it can uh, be a dating app. Can be a dating app. Good point. Good point. Uh, and it helps you find uh, local plebs in your area to help uh, speed up hyper Bitcoinization in your local area. I think those are uh, a lot of uh, synergize as well with a lot of the teams we've discussed today. So check that out. It's out for iPhone and uh, relatively soon for uh, for Android. So uh, check that out. And you can pay either with dirty fiat or with Lightning these days. So that's uh, always a good thing. And uh, also, the best way you can support this podcast is by uh, listening on a value for value podcasting app such as Fountain or Breeze. You can stream us some sats or send us a boost if you think this is being good value for your time. And we always appreciate that you can share uh, the content or subscribe to the Consensus Network YouTube channel. And uh, Consensus Network as well is the platform that we're uh, building with. Uh, they do all the translations of these uh, Bitcoin books, the Swedish that uh, Bjorn has been talking about here, also Finnish and uh, m- plenty of other languages. So check out consensus.network or bitcoinbook.shop. All the links will be in the, the description here. Uh, so check that out. And finally, for everything Knut Svanholm, his uh, nice, ugly Christmas sweater, and uh, all the other uh, great things, uh, knutsvanholm.com. 
Anything else, Knut? Well, wishing you all a great rest of the week. So thank you, everyone, and uh, see you next time.